Rackhouse Ramblings, episode number 16, take one. All right, I'm back. We said take one, but actually it's take two. I recorded the whole intro. I said the whole intro without recording, so I hit record. Let's do it again. Uh, This is Rackhouse Ramblings. I'm Jeff, and this is episode number 16. (laughs) For me, it's Groundhog Day. I just did this, but uh, I was on my Podbean dashboard um, before... uh, when I was working on this episode here. And Podbean is the place that hosts my uh, podcast. So I upload it to them um, and they distribute it to uh, iTunes and Spotify and things like that. And they also uh, keep my previous shows in like a library. So if you guys want to listen to previous episodes and things like that, you can whenever you want. And another cool thing they do is they track my stats. You got it. I got stats. They tell me how many listeners uh, I have how many uh, when listenings are happening, time of day, how many use iTunes, how many use Spotify or Podbean. They can even tell me the, the geographic region or the state. No shit. So before I get uh, too far into this week's uh, show, I want to say thanks. I got a new listener in New Mexico, Gary. Um, I noticed a few other new downloads, Texas and California and West Virginia, and I'm totally blown away. And I just wanted to say Thanks for listening. Thanks for giving it a try. And what I'm going to do, I want to keep you guys coming back. So I'll keep some new stuff coming, keep listening, and hopefully I get better and improve. But to do that, I need you guys to give me some feedback. So you can do it a couple of ways. One is send me an email at rackhouserambling at gmail.com or go on to Podbean and leave a comment. I really like when uh, we get some feedback and it tells me what to do better on and what I miss and things like that. So anyway, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for listening. Even my, my regulars too, you guys are great. I appreciate it. When I'm on duty at the station, it's funny. Uh, Somebody will tell me they listen to the podcast, something they like, and I really appreciate it. It makes me feel good. So before I get too far along, I want to talk about uh, my new listener, Gary from New Mexico. Gary is a friend from way back when I was a kid. Went to middle school, high school, and all that together. And we reconnected uh, a couple weeks ago. We shared some laughs. It was pretty funny. Um, I'm mentioning this because... um, I know you guys like good Jeff stories, and the, Gary has a whole lot of good Jeff stories. And I promise um, I'll get some audio of me and Gary telling stories. Um, give me a give me a little bit of time. It might take a couple of weeks. There's stories about cars that get wrecked and bad decisions and stories about victory and defeat and all that. So, Gary, I'm going to reach out to you. Be patient, and uh, we'll get together and do some stuff. So let's talk about uh, the week in review. Last week was 4th of July. Uh, happy Independence Day to everybody. I was on duty that night, and it was hot, and it was steamy. It was loud. It was a busy night. And uh, in case you didn't know, I work at Ryan, uh, Nine Mile and Ryan. And for the people that are not in Michigan, um, our fire station, we border the north side of Detroit. And that north border, the road is called Eight Mile Road. And, yeah, it's the same eight mile uh, as the Eminem album from years ago, right? That is our city limit line. And not that it means anything, but it's a geographical reference. So if you go to Google Earth, you'll kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about, where we're at. And it's heavily populated, very um, urban, uh, lots of houses, lots of people. Um, So the 4th of July started out hot and sunny and things, they really didn't ramp up till 8 or 9 at night. And after that was nonstop fireworks till about 1 in the morning. And so in case you haven't noticed, I started, uh, I recorded some audio and I'm playing it in the background. So no, it's not gunshots or anything like that. That's fireworks that went on all night till about 1, probably about 1 in the morning. So Russ and I, we were standing out in the bay. It was a nice evening. We had the garage doors open and we're kind of soaking it all in. 
And on a whim, I said, hey, just stand there. Let me take a couple pictures. And there's fireworks in the background. And we started doing it. We'd take pictures of each other. So you probably saw it on our Instagram. And it took us a little bit of practice because we want to do like your pose with the firework exploding, right? So it took us a few tries. We were having fun doing that. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't last long. Um, so if you think about it, when you start launching uh, like an incendiary mortar in the air, right? And it broadcasts, if you think about it, a shower of sparks and small flames. Well, eventually something's going to catch on fire. And that night it did. I kind of went back through my dispatch stuff and found um, we, had, we responded to five different fires caused by fireworks. And they weren't all infernos. They were all pretty small and went out easy. But two of them kind of stood out. One especially. The two, for, de- for sure, these people would make insurance claims. But um, And keep in mind, if you want to know how many that happened that night, we're just one of six stations so the five other stations were equally as busy as us. But one of the fires was right across the street from our station. And this homeowner, a guy told us he's getting ready for bed, walks down the hallway and looks out the back window and sees flames in his backyard and goes out and sees that the side of his garage is on fire. Um, the flames uh, started on the side. They kind of worked up, got under the eave, and were starting to go into the attic of the garage. By the time we were doing overhaul and we were tearing off all the siding and all the charred material, you could see the uh, flames had just started to get into the attic of the garage. But he called us, and when we pulled up, he was using a, a garden hose to put it out. It was pretty much out, but we uh, made sure we did the overhaul and took away all the uh, charred material and everything like that. And he wasn't even lighting fireworks. He was just minding his own business, and I thought, man, that would suck. And speaking of fires, we had a small fire just the other day in the middle of the day. Um, when we pulled up, it was a residential home, and there was smoke billowing out the uh, two end of the gable vents and coming out from the soffits and things like that. So we thought, man, there's something going on in there. But when the guys, they forced the door, uh, hit the front door, and the smoke was banked down probably about four feet, pretty thick. You, If you're standing up, you wouldn't be able to see. Um, the guys did a great job, man. They contained it to one room, made sure there's nobody who was inside, and eventually uh, brought out the fan, cleared everything out and I'll tell you it was 90 freaking degrees plus steamy really humid and you don't hear about this stuff on TV you don't read about it it's not dramatic it's not newsworthy but I still think it's some hero shit and I wanted to recognize it I was I'm I'm just the driver the pump operator right and I consider myself in a support role so I try and get whatever they need while they're doing this and I'll tell you what watching these guys work and all the smoke and the heat the weight of the packs and the tools, well, you know, it really makes me proud to be on the same team. I just wanted to say something, recognize you guys. I really want to I want to do a special thanks out to Brad and uh, Lieutenant Hotz for helping me. We had to tag our hydrant. It was probably about two, 200 feet away, and um, the hydrant was out in front of the engine. And the way this works, our engine has a hose bed in the back. So you have to peel out the supply line, three-inch supply line horseshoe it around the engine and then go 200 feet out in front and it took three of us to do it and between the three of us I guess we made it it went smooth it was almost like we practiced it but we really didn't right so I just wanted to say thanks I also wanted to say thanks to Bill and Scott the other two drivers that helped me out that day it was hot as hell and I really appreciate it you guys we made everything go smooth I wanted to say thanks so anyway I got sidetracked here we go uh, for an update for this week's show I'm gonna have an update on the Hopper. I'm gonna do a short segment of about the podcast that I'm listening to. And then in the bourbon spotlight, I'm going to do a mixed drink. And I think you guys are really going to like it. Stay right there. Rackhouse Ramblings, episode 16. We'll be right back. All right, and I'm back. And 
this is the Yamahopper update. So like I said in the last podcast, I uh, am busy with this Yamahopper restoration. And just to refresh you, I stumbled across a, a 1984 Yamaha model QT50 moped otherwise known as a Yamaha hopper. So I posted a pic on the Rackhouse Ramblings Instagram and it really wasn't a good example. Sorry guys. This, I'll post another pic this week and I hope it's it's a little bit better. Probably won't be. I'm not the best picture taker but I've worked on this this moped almost every day this past week. I learned how to reupholster a seat. No shit. I tore off the old seat cover. You know you pull the staples and all that shit. It wasn't too hard. And then I uh, went up to Joanne Fabrics and bought some of this like marine grade vinyl and I used the old uh, seat cover as a template. So I cut out a new one, put it on there. Uh, I did have to get like a heavier duty or staple because my regular staple wouldn't, wasn't strong enough to put the, the staples through the plastic. So I stretched it over, man, and it looks like brand spanking new. So I'll put a picture of that up there too. And let's see what else. Then I MIG welded the, there's a rear luggage rack and it's held together by these little spot welds. So where two pieces of metal come together, they call it, a, it's a little spot weld or a tack weld. And a couple of them broke off. So I had to squeeze them together and uh, MIG weld them back together to hold up uh, the rear luggage rack. And then um, there's an engine and a drive shaft and this drive shaft, uh, I took it all apart and um, spray painted the, uh, it's called the outer casing of the drive, drive shaft. So I scotch braid it, then prime it and paint it and makes it look all like new. And I don't know if you guys have ever tried this stuff, but I've used it a few times. Um, the spray paint is by a company called Duplicolor and they really get into, it's like cars and boats and motorcycles and stuff. You get it at the auto parts store. So I got it at uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts and the color I used was aluminum. And it advertised that it has some kind of ceramic bits in it, right? And I thought nothing of it. But when I spray it on, no shit, it almost looks like there's like glitter in the paint. But when it dries, this stuff looks like brand new aluminum. I was so impressed. So I uh, painted like a handful of the other engine parts too. I took off and cleaned up. And then what else? Let's see. I found uh, an online supplier for old moped parts. And so I put in my first order and I ordered some gaskets, some seals, some rubber foot pegs and a new carburetor. And guess what? They showed up. It's like Christmas. So it just showed up a few hours ago. So I will be uh, putting those on this week. And another thing I like to do, call me crazy, but so when I take these things apart, all the nuts and bolts and all that, I replace them. And so that way they're all like brand new. And taking the old ones off, they were all like Phillips head and what a pain in the ass. So I replaced them with, um, nice new Allen bolts. So it looks all shiny and, uh, like I, I guess I know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> I got, I think of it as next level shit. So, um, then I did have trouble well, I was working on the handlebars and this one kind of was frustrating because the handlebars are like bicycle handlebars. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but if you pull the handlebars off a bicycle at the bottom of the post, there's an angle cut and to match it is a nut that's cut on an angle and when the two meet together and you tighten them they expand and that's what holds the handlebar inside the neck well this one apparently was cut that way but it turns out after doing some research uh, somebody modified it when they came from the factory they weren't like that it was a flat uh, cut on the bottom of the handlebar and when the nut acted like a wedge so what I did, I had to, I was messing with the, this thing. I said, forget it. And I went online, found somebody that had a, an old handlebar with the hardware. hardware. So I ordered that and um, we'll see. Hopefully that'll work. I'm waiting for that to arrive. You know, I didn't want to mess with somebody else's BS. So whatever. So um, what else did I do? 
I guess I'm in kind of a waiting game. This week, I'm going to try and put the engine back together, put in some new seals and things like that. And hopefully, we'll get it started up maybe by the end of next week or the week after. So that's your Yamaha Hopper update in case you guys are interested. Um, that's the end of the segment. Be right back. podcasts that I am listening to. I'll tell you what, um, the last podcast I was talking about, two new podcasts I'm listening to. The first one is called Missing in Alaska, and I'm really, really hooked on this one. This author, to give you an update, um, the, the latest podcast is he's in Alaska interviewing people, and man, it has got my attention. So he's doing like on the ground stuff, talking to people. And it's surprisingly, there's some people that don't want to be interviewed. There, there's obviously something going going on with this uh, case or whatever. And it makes me realize I didn't know how shady the town of Anchorage really is. So anyway, Missing in Alaska, it's cool. Check it out. The other podcast is one that I really like is guy from the guys uh, that did the show Scrubs, Zach Braff and Donald Faison. Um, it's called Fake Doctors, Real Friends. And this one, I really, I laugh my ass off and I've been binge listening to this uh, all week. But this week came out with a show that was so sad and I wanted to mention it. Um, Zach and Donald are friends with Nick Cordero. He's the actor that uh, died this past week from all these complications of COVID. Um, I didn't know that like this Nick guy was so close to the uh, Zach and Donald. As a matter of fact, Nick and his wife were living in the guest house of Zach Braff, so they were that close. And so Zach Braff comes on and he shared some of the story and uh, how they met and how talented this Nick Codero guy was, all kind of personal stuff, kind of giving a background. But he also shared some of the COVID stuff, and it was really sad. And he talked about how Nick Codero's wife drove him to the emergency room, dropped him off, and that was it. And you think about it, like, dropped him off, and that was it. And I purposely left that pause in there so you guys can hear that empty part, right? So think about it. She drops her husband off. Eventually, you know, she can't visit him. She can't see him. But the doctors have to sedate him. They have to put him on a vent. Now she doesn't get to talk to him or anything. And eventually the doctors even like amputate one of his legs because of poor circulation. And when it's all said and done, they're saying he needs a double lung transplant and that his lungs look like somebody that's been smoking for 50 years is unbelievably tragic. And from here's the other thing from beginning to end was 95 days. So she didn't get to talk to him or anything. He was sedated. He was on medication and it's, it's a tragic, tragic story. So, you know, besides, being a fan of the podcast, what hit home was the story of the COVID and this Nick Codero. And I kind of wanted to talk about it and share it with you guys because this was a healthy guy, not overweight, no, no diabetes, no high blood pressure. He was only 41 years old, right? I work with many guys that are 40, 41 years old. And for all those people who think this virus isn't real, it's bullshit, isn't going to touch me, you know, so what if I get it? I'll be okay. You know, I just isolate, whatever. Those people really need to pay attention to the story because he was dropped off, sedated, put on a vent, and never really gained consciousness again. He couldn't say goodbye. He couldn't say, I love you. He couldn't anything. Think about it. Think about the doctor saying, you know, I have to sedate you to help you breathe. We'll wake you up when you're better, hopefully. Okay, good night. So it goes dark and you're done. That's it. There's no nothing. So now his wife has to sit at home and they have a one-year-old baby. And it's so sad. And 
all she's left with are like pictures or videos or memories and think about it to to be in her position and say this was your dad so i'm kind of telling the story for all the people i see all the people we treat and even the people we work with you know and that's really what i want to get as the people we work with if you're one because i see people not wearing a mask and you know they shouldn't and they if you're willing to roll the dice you know you're willing to take your chances you know and you say oh i'm healthy to me that's kind of selfish to see you know if that's how you roll whatever let me tell you my philosophy so every day i get up we take uh, i take blood pressure pills i take fish oil i take a baby aspirin you know i try to keep in shape i try to eat healthy and i don't do those things for me i do them for everyone else for other people right my wife my son my brothers people i work with that's why we do these things right it's not so much for us it's for everyone else i try to be an example to my son to people that I unknowingly influence, right? We wear a uniform and we influence people. So we try to be an example. So thinking you're invincible, thinking you're above it, thinking you can deal with it if you get COVID. Well, that's, to me, it's like a selfish bullshit cop out. Wear the stupid mask, not for you, but for those people you come home to. And it's a small price to pay. So don't give me any shit about wearing mine. It just means I can put my pride on a shelf and put others in front of me, right? Think about it. If you're going to run into a burning house for a perfect stranger, you know, to save their lives, to save their belongings, you put on all these layers of protection, right? You put on your gear, put on your pack, your mask, your helmet, your gloves, all that PPE. You're willing to do that for someone you don't know, just a stranger that calls 911. But for the people in your life that you care most about, the people you come home to, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your parents, your grandparents, for all them, you won't wear a little mask to help stop the spread. It sounds pretty stupid when I repeat it back, doesn't it? That's what I wanted. Enough said. This is the Bourbon Spotlight. This week I'm going to make a mixed drink. I call it the Costco, what did I name it? Costco Lemonade Kitty Kitty. So like you guys remember a few weeks ago I did the Here Kitty Kitty drink, right? Well, I was uh, had the taste for a nice cold cocktail. I didn't have any raspberries, so I kind of put this one together and it turned out pretty good. Uh, it's going to be one ounce of bourbon and I'm going to use the Traverse City Whiskey Bourbon that we used uh, last episode. I'm going to put in three frozen strawberries. And this time of year, what Ann does, she buys all these strawberries and, you know, we can't eat them all at once. So she'll cut them up and freeze them and puts them in these little individual packs, right? They're like three or four or five or whatever. So I put three of them in the glass, in the cup, and um, I save a fourth one for a garnish. So we got the ounce of bourbon and I put an ounce of simple syrup. And remember, if you don't have simple syrup, it's easy to do. One part sugar, one part water, bring it to a boil, let it cool, and that's it. So you got your simple syrup. So one ounce bourbon, three frozen strawberries, one ounce simple syrup, and you muddle it together. And you remember, like I was telling you before, muddling means you're just crushing it down. So you use like the blunt end of a handle or anything or a stick or whatever, and you mush it into like a mush. And the liquid helps the strawberries melt. You're going to say, oh, they're frozen solid. We'll give it a minute. Then I put in four ice cubes a cup of Costco lemonade, and I love that shit, and you put the other half of the shaker on, you're gonna shake it up, right? So here we go. We're gonna do this one together, so bear with me. I'm gonna open up my pack of uh, frozen strawberries. One, and there we go. She has them wrapped in plastic. Two, 
three. I got my three strawberries in. Traverse City whiskey. I'm gonna do one ounce. And I usually make my ounces generous. And then we're gonna do an ounce of simple syrup. And I got this fancy little set off of Amazon and it's like for making drinks. So you have the, they're made out of aluminum and it has a little measuring thing, measured an ounce. And so we got my liquid in there. I got my frozen berries and it'll just, if you give it a minute and you start mushing, here those, those berries will soften up. And we're kind of making, there it goes. I'm mashing it up. Reminds me of a strawberry slush at the bottom, but they call it muddling in the bartender world. So I got my muddled stuff there. There it goes. So now that it's muddled, I'm going to put in my Costco lemonade. My cup. And I'll put in ice cubes. So now I have everything in one, the mixing cup. Now I'm gonna put the top half, it's kinda of like the lid, under the mixing cup. We're gonna shake it. Shake, shake, shake. And this kinda of blends everything together, it gets it nice and cold. Yeah, there we go. And I'm gonna do it all fancy-like, because I have this strainer. so and that keeps all the bits and pieces in the mixer and gives me just the drink so when it pours out it's gonna even though there's lemonade in there the color is like a pink from the strawberry there we go and then as a garnish I'm gonna set aside well, I did set aside uh, one more frozen strawberry I'm gonna put that in the drink as my garnish Nice. Now it looks all fancy. And the final result. Mm. So, so good. Remember, drink responsibly. Don't drink and drive. So this is Rackhouse Ramblings, episode 16. Try my Costco lemonade, kitty kitty. And we will see you guys next week.